0: Hosea chapter 5, verse number 1, and reads as follows. Hear ye this, O priests; hearken ye house of Israel, and give ye ear, O house of the king, for judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor. Let's pray, and we'll go into the book of Hosea today. Dear God, thank you for gathering us here in your house to hear your word, to learn your word, to hear your message. Lord, please be to try to speak that word right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we'll take a little bit of break from our regularly scheduled march through this book to kind of slow down a little bit, because we've reached the end of the year. This is the last time we're covering Hosea for this year. I figured it'd be a good time to do a little bit of a recap to see where we've been, right? And to see where we're going, right? And of course, because we were all together today with the high school crew too, I figured it makes sense also that we, uh, you know, for them who haven't heard the series up to date, that they can hear a little bit of it to kind of get an idea of what is this book about? What's the big ideas, the big themes, what have been the big messages so far, and of course, you know, where we headed, right? So today we're going to look back a little bit into the book of Hosea and see, you know, what is it, the key things that we should have learned, right? If we haven't learned anything already, right, from studying it. So Hosea is one of the 12 minor prophets. And as we said right from the outset, what does a minor prophet mean? It has nothing to do with how important their message is. No, minor refers to just the length of their book, right? The 12 minor prophets tend to be the shorter books in the prophet section of the Bible. doesn't mean that their message is any less important than someone like Isaiah, who wrote a really, really long book, right? No difference. The message is still God's word. The message is still important. And that's why it's something that's worth studying. Now, of course, we know that these twelve books, the twelve minor prophets, are probably the least studied books in the whole Bible. People look at this and say, "Oh my goodness, Obadiah, what is he talking about?" Amos, who is this guy, right? And you know, that might be certain people's uh, opinion toward that. In fact, when I started, we started this series. You heard Nathan say that we had never studied these books in the history of Chinese Bible Church in an organized Bible study. Well, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it to say hey look there's a lot of good stuff here there's stuff we can learn stuff we can get out of it even though people usually like kind of skip over this little section in the middle of your Bible right they want to go read the New Testament about Jesus and Paul's epistles they want to read all these Old Testament stories in the beginning of the Bible but this prophecy in the middle sometimes gets skipped over but it's important there's a lot to say in a And if I had to sum it up in one word, right? You know how I like to do it, right? I give you one take-home message for each book. When we did Colossians, it was Christ is preeminent, right? We did Acts. It was get people saved. Hosea, if you had to sum it up into one word, it's kind of what it talks about in this one verse we read over here in chapter 5, verse 1. When it talks about judgment is toward you, it talks about repentance, repentance. The message of Hosea is that of repentance. We need to repent. We need to repent. We need to turn away from all the things that we've been doing wrong, turn away from, uh, from, the, from the world, turn to God. That's the message basic in some of Hosea. Now the way they go, he goes about presenting this message though, is a bit different than the other prophets. If you guys read the other prophets before, you know that a lot of it is just, the job of the prophet is to speak God's message. God tells the prophet some stuff to say, the prophet will say it, right? And that's pretty straightforward, right? That oh here's the words I'm telling you the words now you know the words too. Hosea starts off with a story and the story explains a lot. The story explains a lot about Hosea, explains a lot about Israel, it explains a lot about us. What's the story? So hopefully you guys remember the story. The story is of Hosea and Gomer, Hosea and Gomer. Gomer was a person that God told Hosea to marry. That's right, it's an arranged marriage, arranged by God. God said, you have to marry this person, marry Gomer. Why Gomer? Well, God says, I want you to take a wife who is a wife of whoredoms, right? He wanted her, him to marry a harlot, someone who had been around the block, plenty of guys before, well-known, right? That you know, you and I would say, this is crazy, God. Why would I want him to marry this person? That person is not a desirable person at all. That person probably wouldn't make a good wife at all. But he wanted him to marry her. And Hosea, the obedient guy that he is, did it. Number one, that speaks to Hosea's character, doesn't it? How obedient is he to God that he would do something that sounds crazy? You and I might hear that and say, oh, God, you want me to do this thing? I don't want to do it. That doesn't make any sense to me at all, right? I don't want to go marry a whore. That doesn't sound you know, like something I want to do at all, right? You know? No, they, no, no one would say that's on the top of my list of uh, attributes I look for in a husband and or wife, right? And that's not, that's not a desirable quality, but he did it. He obeyed, right? And it shows you the importance, number one, of obedience, right? How obedient is he? Well, the story continues that he and uh, Gomer had children, right? Had children. or. They, they probably had children. Knowing Gomer's background, who knows if they're really his children or not, right? They, they probably had children together, right? And they had three children. And what does God say about these three children? He says, oh, you've got to give them these names, right? And again, you got to be pretty obedient to follow God because these are the names that he gave them, right? One was Jezreel. Jezreel, what does that mean? Interpreted into modern English. It means scattered. Another one was called Lo Ruama. the other one called Lo Ami. Lo Lo Ami means not my people. Lo Rama means no mercy. So you imagine you name your kids. This is not my people. This is no mercy. This is scattered. Those are like horrible names. These kids would get picked on at school for sure, right? You know. But he did it. He did it anyways. So he gave these people these uh these uh, pretty bad names, right? That kind of represent the story. Right? These names have significance. God didn't just make up these names randomly just because he wanted these kids to get picked on all the time with bad, funny names. No. The, The meaning of the names fit with the meaning of the story, fit with the meaning of the history, fit with the meaning of the prophecy. Why is that? Scattered. Scattered. What happens to the children of Israel? They get scattered eventually, they get taken over, scattered. What happened after they get scattered? Well, why they get scattered? Because God didn't have mercy on them. No mercy, no mercy, right? And how were they treated during this time? With no mercy, being scattered. God treated them as if they were not my people, not my people. That's exactly the way they got treated by God. And it fits right in with the names. And that's exactly what happened to Hosea. See, God does this to Hosea to help him understand his feelings that Hosea might understand why God cares so much about this message. Look at this, look at this. In chapter 2 in Hosea, what happened to Gomer? She scatters. She takes off. She says, I'm going to go back to my life. I'm going to go sleep around with as many men as I want. i want to go and live my life as a whore over and again, right? She leaves home. What happens? Hosea gets upset, right? right? He says that, oh, he says, I, I'm not going to help you anymore, right? Look at all the stuff. I helped you in my life, right? I loved you like a wife, treated you well, fed, clothed, etc., etc. And now, he said, that's it. No more. Kind of like when you have the name No Mercy, right? No more. All right? And just like anyone would say when your wife does this to you, right? You'd say, you're not my wife anymore, right? Not my people, not my people, right? Send her away. Don't like her. Let her go off and do her thing, right? That's the way that. She did. She went off. She did her own thing. You know, not a happy happy time for this family, right? But what happened? What happened at the very end, though? In chapter 3? So this happened. Chapter 3 was a reversal. God says in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, go find that woman and love her again. Bring her back. Bring her back. Now, had she done something totally different? Did she say, oh, I've seen the error of my ways. I want to come back to my husband. It doesn't say that at all in the Bible. It doesn't say that, you know, she had this, you know, she was a changed woman and she wasn't going to do all that bad stuff anymore. Not really didn't say that. It said that God just told Hosea, you got to do the first move. You got to do the first move. You got to do it. You got to get her back. And how does he get her back? He's got to pay. So we don't know what the true story is, right? As, I, as, I, as when we read this, these verses in the study. We don't know if she was caught into slavery. We didn't know if she was working as like a prostitute somewhere where she, owed, where she had to turn a certain amount of money to her boss or whatever. Or it could just be that she had a really you know, abusive boyfriend or something that wouldn't let her out of the relationship. But Hosea had to pay, literally cash money, to get her, his wife back. And more than cash money, we read that he gave... 15 pieces of silver plus a whole bunch of other stuff. It wasn't just the money. You know, if it was just money, you would just give money, right? Just like you and I, like, oh, if you had enough money to buy something, you would just give the money to buy it. You wouldn't also say, here, take my barley and take my, uh, you know, whatever else that he was giving up, right, of his goods. What does that tell us? That tells us this was a large sum that he had to pay. It wasn't just like a little bitty money to buy his wife back, it was a lot of money to buy this. Uh, his wife back and by him buying her out of slavery or buying her out of prostitution or buying her out of whatever situation she was in that was the love that God wanted him to show to her that say you know what we've had this time right we were separated apart whatever now guess what I'm gonna gonna pay a huge price to get you back to get you back And hopefully, you know, now you'll be faithful, right? Now, of course, we know how this fits right in with how God works, how God works, right? Because that was the same story for Israel. as the same story for uh, Hosea and Gomer, right? Like I said just a moment ago, right? Israel was scattered. They're treated as not God's people. But in the end, in the end, did God pay a price to bring his people back? The answer is yes. In fact, God paid the biggest price of all. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. He gave Jesus, right? And we all know, if you're a parent, right? Or you know, you know kids and stuff, you know our most treasured possession, right? Our kids, right? Imagine God giving up his own kid to say, you know what, Israel, I want to bring you back. This is how much I want to bring you back to me. I give up, you know, I pay big time. I pay with my own son's life. I let him die on the cross for all your sins, all your transgressions, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can come back to me. That's what God did for us. That's something that maybe you and I might never think of doing, right? Imagine us in that situation. We might be saying, you know, never. Whoa, look what she did. Look what she did. She cheated on me. She left the house. All this kind of stuff. Some things people can't get over, right? You know. You know, I, I know a story of someone I know like this one of my one of my dad's old friends, right? Where something happened when their are uh, my dad's old friend, you know, they, she, she was married to his other, uh, you know, to his wife for many, many years, right? 20 plus years or whatever, they seemed like happy folks and they had kids and all this kind of stuff, right? And one day, you know, I guess he, uh, the friend went out with some other woman or something like that. And I think it was like according to his version of the story, it was like some kind of business. Business related, right? Going out to lunch, hanging out with some other woman, right? But the wife got wind of this, right? And found out about this and saw this and she assumed the worst, right? And said, oh, you know, clearly my husband is having an affair, right? And she got really, really upset, right? How upset did she get, right? How upset did she get? She thought this is, you know, horrible thing, this is an adulterous relationship. What happened? One day she saw him and she tried to run him over with her car, right? That's the kind of non-forgiveness people have, right? And uh, you know, eventually, you a know, year down the line or something, they realized that maybe this was a misunderstanding. They had been separated and apart, and you know, there's been a big, uh, big uh, dust-up in their family, right? And so she finally calmed down and said, okay, you know, maybe I realized I was rash, and that was a mistake, right? We're gonna take, could you take me back? Could we get our family back together? And you know what the guy said? The guy said, Of course not. No way. You tried to run me over with a car. That's unforgivable. Unforgivable. No way. We're over. We're done. That's it. Look what Israel did to God. Look what Israel did to God. Look all the things that God did for them. Brought them from one family, one tribe. Built them into a great nation. Took them from slavery, out of slavery. Took them from visitors in a new land made them into a great kingdom, a rich kingdom, with land and livestock and gold and everything, riches, everything, you name it. All that God blessed them with. And their reaction was, let me go find another God now. You know what? I don't need this. I can move on to my own thing, right? They got comfortable. Oh, I'm so comfortable now, right? God blessed them. They built up this country. Now the country's built up. They don't need to rely on God anymore. They can go do their own things, right? As you know, the time of Hosea was a time of the kings. And you guys have read the books of the kings and chronicles. And you saw all throughout that time. Sometimes there's a good king. Sometimes there's a bad king. And the bad kings would do stuff like, Hey, we don't need God. We can follow idols. We can go do all these other things. They totally turned their back on God. And wouldn't God be justified in saying, You know what? You guys don't follow me at all now. Not only do you not follow my rules, right? all my instructions of you not sinning. You guys are literally following someone else's rules and doing their thing. Wouldn't he be justified in saying, never again. You guys are out, I'm done with you guys, right? But he does do that. He says, oh, I'm giving you a chance and I'm giving up my prized possession for you that you guys can repent. You guys can turn from your ways, giving you a chance. And luckily for us, that message that originally was meant for Israel applies to us today. Because aren't we the same? Don't we live our lives, first off, as sinners, not knowing God, living our lives how we want. But ah, lucky for us, someone told us about that same way out that was available to those Israelites back then. That same way out through Jesus Christ. That by believing in Jesus Christ, we get that same salvation. The salvation offered to the Israelites back then applies to us today. So don't let anyone tell you these Minor prophet books aren't practical, they aren't relevant to today. There's a lot of stuff in there that is exactly on point right for us today. That's the message that they give to us that we still care about and why we study it. And so it goes in chapter 4, which we studied last time, is a continuation of this. We finish the story of Hosea and Gomer, which is this beautiful representation of God's great forgiveness. And chapter 4 moves into more of the traditional prophet type stuff, right? Where he lays out, hey, this is where you're going wrong. Chapter 4 is kind of like the accusations, right? And there's a whole laundry list of stuff chapter 4 verse 2 right talks about their swearing and lying and killing stealing committing adultery you know blood touching blood all these things right all these sins that they are doing now it's a time to point it out to them right this is what Jose is doing hey this is what you're doing wrong this is what you got to turn away from right this is what the country had so devolved into right it said that it turned to like people like priests Right? Even the priests were corrupted, corrupted by all this stuff going on in the country of Israel. Right? That this country had decided to go whoring after, right? Their own things. Right? To seek self-pleasure and not God's pleasure. Right? That's the, that was the problem. That was the, at the root of everything, right? That they sought after these idols. Right, these idols for their own happiness for their own fulfillment rather than following God and God's fulfillment and God's glory so that's where we were chapter 5 which we will be starting next time next year we're gonna move forward into this right four talks about God's coming judgment and what God's judgment is so we've seen the problem and now we're gonna see the result the cause and effect So this is what we're going to look forward to next year as we study more and more in the book of Hosea. What is God going to say about, hey, you guys did all this stuff. Now what? What's the the downside of doing all this stuff? Because there is a downside. It's not just, hey, you guys can do whatever you want, right? There's consequences. There's a reason why we need to do what? Reason why we need to repent. Repent, repent, repent. That's the message of the book of Hosea. So I think that catches us up to date to where we are. Uh, for the year 2016. I look forward to resuming this in the year 2017. We're going to go more and more into this book. But right now we're out of time, so let's end off with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for giving us the book of Hosea. You know, it's been an interesting book to study so far. I've got a weird story to start off with Hosea and Gomer. But God, hopefully we learn from that about how great your forgiveness is, how important our repentance is. And, you know, in the future, help us to study, you know, your judgment, how we ought to turn away from sin, all that kind of good stuff, Lord. We thank you again for giving us a Sunday to look into your word, to study your word, and have this word be part of our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.